Hello everybody and welcome to episode 117 of the Agile Podcast. This episode is something absolutely special. We got back inside a real pub. Yes, another step towards normality. We uh, we had not one drink, but two drinks this time to celebrate and not just celebrate getting back inside, but also celebrating Paul's biggest catch of his life. <laughs> For those of you who are watching the video of this, you can actually see a picture of the fish that Paul caught. We spent a day's fishing and nattering uh, and took it into the pub afterwards. It was a very impressive piece of fisher fishing. fishing. <laughs> um, anyway, back on to what we talked about. We, uh, we got we talking a little bit about um, training and what people go to training for, which might sound uh, obvious, but sometimes people learn more about themselves on the training course than they do about the subject matter which somehow led us on to talking about status and how our roles impact the status that we play, but also whether we have a particular personal preference or cognitive bias towards playing either high or low status and whether our job titles play a role in how we're perceived and how we act as well. It was a really interesting conversation, so much so that we stayed on for a second beer or, or cider. So um, settle in. Drink up and uh, listen to what we had to say, and we will see you again very soon. Cheers. Cheers. Hello. 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 Well, obviously, if you're listening, you can't look, but you can probably hear the difference because we are inside. That's real ambiance. Ambiance, real ambiance. Some some natural background chatter, a little bit of muzak, light jazz. Jazz. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, we're inside the old boathouse in South Surrey, Wiltshire. 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 Yes. So this is nice. It's real, isn't it? It's, it's three dimensions. Mm. It's all going on. That's Four good. dimensions with time. But anyway, yeah, it's nice to be back. Nice to be back. <laughs> I feel a little bit sunburned, actually. We've been out strange. today, haven't we? I uh, did a bit of spot of fishing today. Yes. You caught an absolute monster. I did catch a monster carp Jeff, today, Jeff. Jeff that didn't catch. What did you catch, Jeff? A cold. <laughs> and the sun. Uh, yeah, he caught the sun. Very good. But uh, you, you caught an absolute monster. It's very impressive. On a child's on rod. On a child's rod. Yeah, I've got some very basic equipment. Yes, just goes to show. A good workman doesn't need the tools. Exactly, yeah. Brought, landed the fish. I doffed my cap to you, sir. Thank you, mate. <coughs> Only took me far longer than it should have done with a child's rod. It's good. Good fun. Good, and it's nice to be a bit outdoors. Nice to get a bit of time away from um, the office. Yeah. Say the office, my home office. Mm. Impromptu day off, wasn't it? For both yeah, of us. it just wasn't planned. The calendars aligned, didn't they? Oh, and the drinks are arriving. That's me, thank you. Perfect. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Cheers, thanks. Uh, so our drinks have been introduced by the waitress. <laughs> but in Cheers. case in case we edit that, I've got a vodka, a lemon and lime. And I'm drinking a pint of Guinness. Oh, that's nice. Hmm. No cider for me tonight. That's because I've had two, two pints already today <coughs> or this evening, and I'm a bit, a bit bilious, Jeff. Bilious. Is that the word bilious? 
Does that mean bloated? Yes. Okay. <laughs> hmm. Well, you've eaten a fair amount as well, to be fair. I've had a lot of food today. <clears throat> Don't let me forget, when I ordered those, I also ordered a bar of dairy milk. You didn't, did you? I did. Oh, my days. But she didn't bring it, so don't let me forget. <laughs> anyway, before we before we met up, um, what's what's new? Um, Apart from the fact that you are now a master fisherman, I've been a busy boy. I've um, yeah, it feels like a bit of a busy month, May. I've been every week, courses every week, training every week, um, multiple days. It doesn't feel like I've had a lot of time off. But I've been doing... So I've finished my um, improv course this week, or last week. You finished the fifth of the five? That was the session five of five. It was the conclusion of the, my five-week programme, which was a nice... It always builds to a nice kind of crescendo by the end. So does it follow a dramatic arc? It does. The hero's there journey. A, there is a bit of a resolution at the end of it, yes. A Good. Kind of a, a culmination. Of for all. you or them or both? Hopefully for both. I try to... Um, finish with an exercise certainly that puts together everything that they've we've talked about and we've learned and, and actually applied over the last five five weeks maybe I should come maybe you should Jeff maybe you might learn something what would I learn as well because I have done a little bit of improv not, not, I'm not in your league but I have done a little bit <laughs> you have you've been on stage at the comedy store yeah yeah it's um, I think well, one of the nice things for me this week was somebody remarked that they'd learn a lot about themselves. Okay. That they're good at improv or? No. I think they're about their personality and their uh, attributes, their, their bias. Okay. So that was an interesting... It was kind of something I've always hoped that would come out of these things. And I, kind of, I think that's what I think for me improv has been... I know I, I love the exercise and I love the the application of it but I also liked it t- It taught me a lot about myself and I think it's nice to hear someone else who's attended my course who's had a similar experience anything you can share about maybe you rather than your student what, what, what did you well, learn well it's a similar thing to the, to the student in question but um, it's around my, my kind of natural bias towards a certain type of approach um, in terms of status really that I naturally prefer I will, given a situation, I tend to, tend to more naturally take a low-status approach than, than a high-status one to most situations. And that, that can be a benefit, that can be a drawback. Okay. And it's not really anything improv-based, it's more just around my personality. When you say low-status, you mean sort of deferential? Tending to um, uh, wait for someone else Submissive. to take... Submissive. Yeah, wait for someone else to take a lead in an exercise or wait for someone else to make, make a suggestion or just um, accept the first offer that comes to, to me. Do you know where that comes from? No, no idea. Um, Being a younger child? Possibly, if we're going that deep. Possibly. Well, your sister's not at low status, is she? No, my, have you met my sister? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I think, and if you ask my parents, I think my sister would, they'd say my sister was certainly high status. I'm, I mean, I'm not a, um, a family therapist, so I, I wouldn't like to suggest, but um, or a child psychologist. But, um, is it related in any way to 
imposter syndrome or people pleasing. Oh, bless you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Oh, so kind. Is that for me, I hope? Is it heck? <laughs> we'll share it. Um, what were we saying? Is that in any way related to imposter syndrome or people pleasing or anything like that? Absolutely, I imagine so it is. Um, I think so. I think I've got also got a fairly deep rooted um, imposter syndrome in most things I, I do. So I'm sure it is all linked to that, but I, I imagine it's also linked to um, child childhood and family life. Are there any statistics on uh, sort of propensity for high status, low status? Like, if you took a hundred people, how many of them would typically default to one or the other? I honestly don't know. Is, do you think it's fifty-fifty? Do you think more people do? I don't know. I would, I, I've got no stats to back that up, but um, I've worked with a lot of high-status people, and I work with a lot of low-status people. Is it situational? Are there times? Is it a case of you almost always do, always do, or depends? I, I think I have a natural preference to. I think I have to force myself not to sometimes. So if you're in a a one-on-one or a, a collab with another low status preference mm-hmm. person is would, it a case of you're both fighting to take the low status role it, can, it could be it depends on the, the relationship so if, for instance as a coach I might take more of a high status approach in that particular conversation because, because of your role because of my role if that role is unspecified I think it might it's potentially you're going to meet at the same point mm. which could be if too if too tends to be I can only talk from an actor's experience because I'm an actor no but from um, from an improv perspective when you meet when two low status people you tend to get a stifled kind of relationship it doesn't look natural you've got two people fighting for kind of cowering behind each other to me to you to you to me yeah so you, you don't it tends to be a bit of an awkward no you first sir you're going to yeah it's a polite conversation okay but what flows more naturally is high versus low what's I'm jumping all over the place. What's worse, two low-status people competing or two high-status people competing? To observe, well, you'll get two low-status says you'll get cringeworthy, this, this scene's not going anywhere, yeah. this is really awkward TV or awkward um, performance. Two high-status tends to be quite loud, abrasive conflict, which can be quite um, impressive to watch, but can be quite, again, can probably have the same effect it can look like, oh, it's, it's getting too heated, I don't want to look at this. These people aren't prepared to compromise. But the same thing happens in meetings in the office. Two high-status people butting their heads together, they're not going to make any progress. Two low-status people come together, they're not going to make any progress. So do you have tips and techniques for getting somebody else to change their status or getting yourself to change status? Well, I think it's a... it's. So in, my, uh, in these exercises that we do, we encourage people to play, and we make a big point of the word, you're playing mm. a different status. And this was for this particular student and for me, this is, it's quite a difficult thing sometimes to play something you're not used to naturally playing. Yeah. But it can be extremely fun to do it, to basically put on a disguise, a character, a voice, whatever it might be, mm. a hat, a mask, 
that allow, that gives you permission to set to to play a high status role. So I will set a game up sometimes and say one of you. I won't tell which which what one you are. But we play a game called Status Switch where one of you will have a role, and I say well, I'm quite explicit on what the role is. So like it'll be two of us in the scene. Um, a parent is telling off a child because for not um, for bad home for a bad school report. Okay, so. And then you just let the scene play. What's interesting is one person will speak generally speak first. Three lines of dialogue. Um, one person. It's easier if one person takes low and high status. So you might be more drawn if you're speaking first to either low or high status. And you're likely, given the scenario, high status parent, low status child. But that could be reversed. You could have a high mm. status child saying, you know, it's not my fault, the dog ate my homework. You should have given me my homework earlier, whatever it was. So you can switch it around. But it's interesting to see how people, if they're going to speak first, whether they take the high status or the low status position. Yeah. Is there, uh, again, is there, do you see patterns there? Do you see more people starting with high or low? In the courses that I do, so I'm mainly dealing with agile practitioners... Not so many leaders, I'd say. Coaches, scrum masters, product owners tend to be more low status yeah. or prefer low status. But I think it's also, dare I say it, a cultural thing as well that um, it looks more, sometimes more polite and less confrontational to take low status. Mm. It's a safer option. It's a much safer start option. With, isn't you're it? not going to put, yeah, you're not going to potentially annoy people or, or uh, lose face or um, create conflict. So when you when you learn this about yourself, yeah, what do you do with that awareness? Um, I try to view it as I think I think I've got I think I view it as an advantage first and foremost. I think I've got I've done some of the things I've done in my career because of, I have been low status. Okay, and I've said to you before, um, I've generally said yes. If, I've, if, if anyone's asked me to take on a project, take on a role, take and do something, try this out, can you cover for this person? Can you go to this meeting? Can you take on this job? I generally, because I'm a people pleaser, I generally say yes, because it's too difficult to say no. But that has um, opened doors, opportunities to me that I don't think would be there now if I hadn't. So let me play that, the other side of that coin then. If somebody asks you, and you're, and you're playing a low-status role, you'll say yes. But the other side of that coin is, you're unlikely to proactively go out there and make something happen. Because that would require high-status. Am I seeing that right? To, yeah. So, <coughs> so high-status players tend to um, block offers, rather than unless they feel they can control them. But low-status players tend to accept offers readily. Then, in, a, in an improv sense, that's good. But it can lead to kind of an unclear path, a kind of a, a mixed message. Okay. What was your question? I forgot what your question was. So, do, do you think missing? You're not as proactive. Potentially, yeah. So you'll say yes to other people's requests of you. You were likely to wait for things to happen to yeah. you. Yeah. You're not going to go and make something happen or and stir I think the waters. That also plays into that. We've talked about it before, but the locus of control thing, believing that things will happen to me rather than making things happen for myself. Mm. What do you think about 
scrum master, product owner, high status, low status? So I think, so we, again, we talk about this in our, in our course as well, but it's an interesting job title, scrum master, mm. sounds quite high status. Yeah. And I'm not disagreeing that sometimes a scrum master will have to play as uncomfortable as it may be, a high status. Change agent. Yeah, position, taking initiative, certainly maybe defending team situations or yeah. you know, defending team members. Holding the mirror up to the team. Yeah, that takes Is that courage. A high status thing? Yeah, that, that takes courage to say something that needs to be said. But I think generally, I think high too low, I think that's what I used to say, what you're trying to be, to move towards as a scrum master is taking much more of a submissive, how can I help you, rather mm. than... Servant leadership. Yeah, servant leadership, I think. So it's an interesting, the term servant leader, low, high, in my in, yeah. in terms of words, mm -hmm. in the English language, servant, low status, leader, high status. And it's changed, hasn't it? So the words servant leader were removed from the Scrum Guide yeah. to become true leader, which sounds even more high status mm. in my mind. Um, that sounds like some kind of deity, some, you know, some kind of yeah. godlike character. So I think I think it's a dangerous term, and we've said before, but people pay a lot of attention to job titles, probably too much attention to them. Yeah. Product owner probably sounds high status. Mm. Proxy product owner. Doesn't sound quite quite so high. Junior product owner, probably lower again. Yeah. So I think sometimes that that can undermine how people will react to you or, or confront you or not, uh, or challenge you or not, mm. depending on the job title you have. I wonder if that was a subconscious part of the decision-making process when deciding upon the name Scrum Master. Well, Nigel's a more of an expert on this than us, isn't he? But and he'll correct us when we're wrong. But he'll correct us even if we're but right. Wasn't it something to do with the original term webmaster, or have I made that up somewhere? I've somewhere? never heard that before, but I'll go with it. But that's, I'm sure Nigel told, told me that a, a, a long time ago. But they, it's the, uh, the implication is that they're a master of scrum, not necessarily a master of people, master of the framework. Yeah. Which I can understand. Um, but again, it, it sounds, it's, um, it can be misleading because sometimes we need to take a slightly lower, lower status. What do you think? We've had this conversation before, I'm sure. We were repeating old material. But um, back to the point, not so much on status, but I've, I generally, I think, and I've had a few comments completely outside of that course about people that have come to me and said I learnt something about myself rather than learning what the course or the content was Okay. and I think that's an interesting response an interesting bit of feedback and I think some of the best courses I've had have perhaps not been about what I learnt but what I learnt about myself like, apart from the improv, what else? Um, a bit like, well, even out of the work context, like um, rugby coaching, 
kids, I learned about a lot about my philosophy rather than what I sh- what the book says or you know what the yeah what the handbook says about what I want, how I want to teach, how I, how I want kids to play the game rather than what I should teach them. Yeah. But it tells it tells a and that's much more open to interpretation. Mm-hmm. I know different coaches will have different philosophies, but I think it, it was reminds me of what of who I am. Which in your case is a good thing because you're a good person. Yeah. You're saying people that doesn't always go the same way. Oh no! When, when I learn about myself, it's not always nice. <laughs> No, so, so it's, it's often said, isn't it? Awareness doesn't bring comfort. Because the more aware you are, the more self-aware you are, the more aware you are of your faults, your vulnerabilities, the darknesses, the whatever. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it can be a burden, that self-awareness, because then you know all the things that you need to fix, whether it's awareness of your organisation, the process, you as a person, whatever. But it's a, it, it's a courageous step to learn more about yourself do you think here's a slightly different question do you think um, <clears throat> students we humans do we pick a learning experience based on what we think we want to hear about ourselves oh um, on one level yes so I, I do believe that we operate on multiple levels. Mm. I think rationally. <coughs> look, excuse me, I'm just going to cough. <coughs> <coughs> rationally, you went on the improv course to learn improv because you had an interest in it. Made sense. Yeah. Um, and it it ticked some of your boxes about having fun and fulfilment and so on as did the person that came on the course they thought yeah this is something I'd be interested in and yes rationally I think this could help me in my job I see the connection but also subconsciously you were probably drawn to that in ways that you weren't consciously aware of so while you probably didn't go there to learn about your status consciously at some level you probably did because if you hadn't you probably wouldn't have been open to that realisation. Mm. It's my rationalisation. <laughs> um, so they, they often say, they often say, it's a terrible phrase, they often say. Who are they? How is often? But it has been said many times that we teach what we, what we need to learn. Um, so people who go into... Therapy probably need therapy. That that right, it's okay. a it's a really simplistic, broad brush statement, but that kind of thing. We tend to teach what we what we want to know or what we need to know, and we we, we go and learn things because we we need to learn them at a, at a logical level. But there's also a subconscious thing that's driving us towards what we actually need at a deeper level. That's quite philosophical. I was, I'm not particularly well articulated. No, I know what you mean, though. I know what you mean. Have you had any experiences like that where you think, <clears throat> you know, you've, you've found something deeper about yourself that you didn't realise you would or you perhaps subconsciously 
we're expecting you would? Um, I think so. The simple answer is yes. Um, the slightly more complicated answer is that I think I've I've consciously gone into pretty much all of the things that I've learnt with the primary focus of learning about me rather than the thing, which is probably why content doesn't stick as long with me. Um, but I'm I'm quite self-aware. I think. Um, and I think, you know, one of my my key skills is being able to empathise with other people. I think it's because I spent I spend so long analysing myself. Mm. Uh, so whenever I go on a yeah, whenever I go on a course, whenever I read a book, whether it's fiction or non fiction, whenever I watch a movie, whenever I'm watching a TV show, I'm I'm thinking, what's going on here that's to do with me? Really? Yeah, always. I'm looking at what bits of me are, are there. Um, if not, what's absent that I could learn from? What's missing in my personality that really? I can take from? All, all, all the time. That must be exhausting. Uh, possibly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think I've always had that. We were speaking to Lisa Atkins recently about... Um, she asked me and you who inspired us yeah. and I said I'm firmly of the view that I can learn something from everyone that I meet because everyone is better than me at something um, I've just got to figure out what it is and if I can take that then I become better but there's, there's that and the, the, for me the only point really the only point the main point of life is to get better yeah for me but with that especially there's, there's that sense sense of humility isn't there that I'm not I'm not the finished article I know I'm, I'm not the um, I'm not perfect and being aware that there's in any, like you say in anything there's probably going to be something this, that will make me a better person or make me a will some, in some way enrich my personality mm. or my uh, my approach we still get people on these courses that think they know everything. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, um, that think it's all just about the content. And in fact, I was trying to remind people that yeah, to try and reflect on things for themselves rather than the actual content. But what have they, what have they learned about themselves during this process? Mm. And I can imagine. I, like I said maybe I should come on the course, but maybe. I think, well, I can imagine that there'll be many people who are very open to that self-reflection and perhaps an equal number who aren't. That's, they're just not ready for that. And again, I think subconsciously, unconsciously, they know that they're not ready to deal with what they're going to find out. Yeah. And it's, a couple of other people said on this course, it's... Um, amazing how easily I slipped into high status like it was a it was a a flaw okay because of so self criticism yeah like almost like I'm sorry I'm sorry I did that yeah I'm sorry I came across quite high status because it appears again it might just be a British thing but it appears quite um, impersonal and quite accusatory but your, your courses aren't full of British people no no, not they really are, right? 
No, in fact, they are quite international. Yeah. yeah. So, but do it you might see be. That? No, what I'm saying is, it might be a politeness with a group of relative strangers that that um, they don't want to potentially. annoy someone or, yeah. or upset someone because they're being they are acting but they they do the acting of that particular role quite well because that's what they're used to mm. so um, so the the play you said you emphasise yeah. the word play playing the high status role is that just to get people into the habit of it because it's, they're not going to have the opportunity to necessarily play high status role back in the office no, but they could. They can. So they can do. They can again. They can. Depending on how um, you can play it in front of a mirror, you don't have to play it in front of an audience. Sure, sure. But if they're back at the office and, and it's the fact that they are adopting a low-status position in work relationships is causing them or the team yeah. or the organisation problems, and they need to flex different muscles. It's not. Maybe I'm making a, a, a false assumption here, but. Let's assume for a minute that you can't just say, ooh, can we just play a different role here? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so is it a case of them get just practising in that safe space so that they then have more confidence to, in their minds, consciously play that role without having the explicit agreement? Or is there something else going on? I think, so, the safety of a, of a team environment or a, a game environment is that you have to feel that Whatever you do, you're not going to be judged or in any way punished from what from what you do. Yeah, you can so, always laugh at it at the end of it. Exactly. So, but I think the more often you do that, the more often you get used to being having a different role. It might be that you're more willing to take on a responsibility for that team that you perhaps wouldn't have asked for before because mm-hmm. you're not used to putting yourself forward for things. So I think just being become becoming more comfortable with adopting a different role and it goes the other way so again more high status people adopting choosing a lower status position yep. can just reverse that that approach and change a team's um, natural order of things hmm. I mean status is just one one part of what, what you do but yeah is that what Apart from learning about yourself, what are the actual impacts do you see being able to consciously play with their status have in the work environment? So I think certainly um, we talk a lot, talked a lot um, this last few sessions about presentation skills. Okay. So anything like that where you have to put on. Um, it is a performance as such. You're yep. presenting, you're giving a speech, whether you're in a team or whether you're doing it to hundreds of people in your workforce that, for your company. You, that is, in effect, a performance. And you, there's little things that you can do that will basically just increase your sense of high status to, to try and give you that testosterone within your brain to make you feel more powerful, mm-hmm. more dominant and more superior so you'll come across as more um, more knowledgeable okay. even if it's not naturally your, your your approach are there any tips that you can give that aren't spoilers well a lot I, I mean I can't credit a lot of this stuff but Amy Cuddy stuff is, is, is 
comes up a lot. So the power pose. Yeah, so we do a lot. We do a few of those things in the course, and that's not particularly new. But um, taken from um, the Wonder Woman pose, mm -hmm. which I could do for camera, but you can't really do it if you're not watching on camera. Which you can think about. Um, what's her name? I should know. Joel Goodo. No, um, Linda Carter, the original. Oh, okay. That was me. Yeah, you're, 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 you're 20 years, 30 years too yeah, recent. Yeah, but still. I mean, I haven't seen the film, but still. I yeah, so the classic Wonder Woman pose. Um, and Amy Cudder in a TED Talk says that just standing in that position for 30 seconds can increase the, the levels of testosterone in your brain to, mm. to basically make you feel more powerful. Well, I know. I mean, I've, I was taught this. It's, it's almost impossible to feel positive if you're looking down and, and, and get it going yeah. small. But it's almost impossible to feel negative if you're looking up and spreading yourself out. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I think there's something to that. There's something also I read in um, another book uh, by an FBI interrogator. Can't think of his name. Voss. Hmm? Chris Voss. No. Different book. Um, about your body language. Mm -hmm. And he says in that it's almost in, it's your arms. So arms above your head. It's very hard to um, feel, again, it's a negativity thing, because we generally associate arms above our head with... Surrender? No, not necessarily, but, um, but celebration. Okay, yeah, yeah, Claps. euphoria. Yeah, 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 euphoria. So... Pride. Yeah. Mm. So um, that type of arms above your head is, is, is enjoyment and... That type. So little things that you can do just to... That was proven. Go on. Uh... I can't remember the name of the person that proved it, but basically they, they proved that congenitally blind people who won a race automatically yes. put their arms yes. in the air. Yes. As so they've never seen anybody do that. Yeah. But it was a natural reaction, um, as a sense of pride and. You're at a music concert when the crowd, you know, when your favourite act comes on yeah. stage and sing your favourite song. Do you? Mm -hmm. Do you keep your arms by your side or do you put them above your, above yeah. your head? Same thing. So um, that can exude positivity and, and that kind of you know, um, high status hormone. So, yeah, it's this Joe Navarro is the guy's name. I think it's Joe Navarro. I'm going to say that anyway. Okay. Good book. Good book. Little, little status plays that you can do. And Amy Cuddy's other one was the pencil in your teeth, wasn't it? Yes. Showing your teeth, that generally is a sign of aggression. It's very hard to feel submissive when you're gritting your teeth. Yes, and it's also very difficult to feel sad when you're gripping a pencil in your mouth because you're almost automatically smiling. So uh, you're going to play high status tonight because you're getting the bill, right? Yeah, if I find my credit card, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Or was that high status of me by saying you were going to be getting the bill? Yeah, and I, yeah, so it's and low, state, low, to, low status oh, of me oh, to say, so yeah, of course I will. Yeah. Oh, it's so complicated. It's always all going on, all the time. The games we play. Eric it happens Byrne. all the time. Yeah. It's good. All right. Cheers, That's fun. See you, buddy. See you soon. Ta-da. <laughs>